Welcome to the Upside Podcast, powered by Upside Global and hosted by Julian Blinn, founder and CEO of Upside Global. The Upside Podcast is listened to weekly by over 6,000 sports and tech executives from all sports leagues and teams in the United States and around the world. Julian has been developing technologies for professional sports teams for over 10 years and has worked for major tech companies along with sports tech startups. In each episode, Julian interviews global leaders in sports to share knowledge on emerging technology in the sports industry and how these technologies can help improve the performance of individuals and organizations both on and off the playing field. And now here's your host, Julian Blinn. So today we have the honor to interview Dr. Josh Agan, Research Associate Professor at Ohio State University, where he leads the Department of Integrated System Engineering and especially the human performance collaborative effort. So Josh, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Great. Well, thank you, Josh. So uh, what I'd like to talk to you about today is first we'll talk about your background and then we'll talk about your role at Ohio State and then we'll discuss the research that you've done as well as the future of uh, wearables. How does it sound? Perfect. Sounds great. Great. So Josh, uh, just to begin with, could you give us a recap uh, of your background? Yeah, so I uh, I took an interesting path here, which I think everybody's got an interesting path to where they end up. Um, so I started out, I was an engineer. Um, yeah. So I did my undergraduate research in chemical engineering, master's, PhD in material science and engineering. Um, took a brief pause after my bachelor's and started working as a chemical engineer and I was bored to tears. Um, so yeah. I went back to grad school um, where I was really interested in uh, Department of Defense research uh, in the United States. Um, I knew a professor that uh, had connections with Air Force Research Laboratory, which is in Ohio. Um, so I went to school in Ohio and it was in Ohio. Um, so that's what really gravitated me towards uh, military based research. And and that's where I was in. So being a materials engineer, I was into um, like polymeric type flexible sensors in my graduate mm -hmm. research. Um, and we were doing, um, you know, basically just got lucky and got into the human performance wing at Air Force Research Labs uh, post doctorate. Yeah. Um, that's where I got really excited in, like, we were actually creating novel flexible sensors. Um, this will go into our discussion a little bit later. And, yeah. and our job at, at the Air Force was to, like, project forward. Um, so, you know, what's what's going to be in the future 10, 20, 30 years from now? And in our mind, that is kind of where the future is heading. Um, and that's in, uh, like, blood-based, interstitial fluid-based, uh, sweat-based biomarker monitoring. So okay. we're doing a lot of a novel research on how do we actually create those sensors. Our dream was to have a... Kind of where the continuous glucose monitors are today yep. like continuous biomarker sensor platform um so got into that and then uh, uh really the world of uh, wearables just started exploding um geez maybe like 2012 eight or it was in 2012 yeah. yeah yeah exactly and and saw an opportunity there to take a little bit of a pivot so thought maybe maybe we don't need to invent still need to invent sensors for sure but if this market multi-billion dollar market now that yeah. is going to be creating these things like what we have to do is we have to understand everything about it um like who's making what how accurate it yeah. is how reliable is it um that's where i got really interested in the why behind all of this so like why does this data even matter to anybody in the military um yeah. and then i had the idea of like in, in military research it's really hard to like again the, the big picture of this is how are we going to use this data um how are we going to Help the people that we work with and in the military it's very hard to say like hey we want to optimize performance well what how do we define performance how do we measure performance um, how do we measure outcomes that's a pretty hard thing in a lot of military environments 
um, yeah. the idea of, you know, what if we look in the athletics environment, which obviously all this stuff is happening in athletics as well, yeah. but there are opportunities for us to get discrete outcomes. So we know how somebody performs because there's games, there's statistics, there's all these other things where we can actually quantify what we're mm -hmm. trying to predict in this data. Um, and so at that time, I just, I cold called Ohio State University. It was geographically pretty close to where I was working. And yeah. I thought, fine, like, if anybody's doing this at the highest level with no economical barriers, it's probably Ohio State football. Yeah. Um, and uh, just, and that's where we struck up that conversation uh, in 2013, 2014 time range. And that's mm -hmm. when we just really started working together head to head of like, how can we figure these things out? Um, fast forward, uh, so I am a part of Ohio State University. Um, so I was in the DOD for about a decade. And then I've been acad in academia at a different university for three years and now at Ohio State for the last year and a half. Um, and that's where I've got a role where I'm director of the Human Performance Collaborative, um, which is a pretty interesting uh, thought process in academia. So normally academia is faculty member, graduate students, you're siloed, you're doing your amazing research, but you're just doing your one thing. You got blinders on. You might be um, collaborating with a couple other professors, but it's probably just your, your work. Um, so yeah. half of my job is to really find out all the brilliant research that's going on at Ohio State that's got performance in mind. It's pretty, we define performance pretty broadly and yeah. how to create big multidisciplinary teams. So now we've got experts in exercise physiology, kinesiology, biomechanics, machine learning, artificial intelligence, nutrition, yeah. um, anything. I mean, it's a massive university. So that's where we're going after really big research um, mm -hmm. on that side. And then my other 50% uh, of my hat is my own like, personal research, which is in elite performance and uh, physiological monitoring and uh, recovery science. And then we're also uh, highly integrated with the athletics department at Ohio State. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's been the really fun thing is very interesting, the sports science landscape um, where you guys live and your, your listeners probably live, um, where you know, I think the professional realm is doing it, is, is investing at a high level and I think doing mm -hmm. it pretty well. Um, the collegiate realm is interesting because you have all of these experts that are sitting on campus, like you've got an expert in every single level of science, physiology, like wherever they're sitting there. You've got yeah. amazing, it's amazing coaches, but very rarely do they actually talk to each other. And they, work don't. they don't and talk to each other. Yeah. And there's obviously reason, like they, they talk a different language, they work at a different speed. Yeah. Um, there's always outliers to that. And so we've created what we call the performance innovation team. Mm -hmm. um, and that's the idea where we can actually, we have very hand selected academics and graduate students, very selected people on the athletic side where we can sit at the table and talk together and understand, like we just know that we can talk the same language and we know like, hey, research can be slow sometimes, but we have to, we have to have answers to problems now. We have to hear the problems. What can we solve now? What's going to take more research? And then we can also explore and data and do some things on the research side, bring yeah. that to and say, have you guys thought about this or, or check out what we what we saw here? And, and it's been a really great, we've had that going for about a year now. Um, yeah. That's a fantastic partnership. And now we're we're really starting to scale up on the sports science side. So um, yeah, good things happen in Ohio State. And that's great. And you see, you, you, you work very closely with the uh, performance team from Ohio State, right? But do you also, what's your collaboration or relationship with all the teams, right? Maybe some NBA teams or NFL teams. You also work with them as well? Yeah, we do. Like, it's it's a pretty neat, it's a super fun network. Like, I, I love, I'm a sports fan and yeah. sports geek and being able to put those worlds together. So we we actively collaborate. Um, there's a number of uh, professional teams in Ohio that we have just great ongoing conversations with. Um, we've got some exciting work with the um, U.S. Soccer Federation. Yeah. Uh, 
a lot of it is just information sharing and, you know, talking together and meeting together. We typically go to the NFL combine and just meet with lots of different yep. people. You know, it's a good place just to get together. Um, and so we are kind of bulking up that professional relationship and, and trying to figure out, like, again, we're trying to solve similar problems. So it's just those conversations mm-hmm. of like, what are you guys interested in? What are we interested in? How can we mm-hmm. use some data sets and controlled environments? How can we use applied data sets together? And like, we all have data. Let's, let's figure this out together. Yep. That makes sense. And, uh, now, can you talk to me a bit more about uh, some of the best practices in the areas of sports and tactical performance science and recovery science? Because I think that's your focus, right? Part of your focus, too. Yeah. Yeah, this is super important. And this is where, like, the real life of things comes in. And, um, you know, when we run scientific studies and controlled studies, like, everything is within our power controlled and we've got massive personnel. But it's also just so burdensome to the, like, their, their subjects, right? So you're doing a whole bunch of different things the athletic sports science, professional sports science, like this is real life, right? We've got, we've got athletes, we've got military members. Like, again, we, we try to keep, keep in mind what our goal is. Um, and I think that's where these days, like we're trying to back this all the way up to a needs analysis. So any new group we, we start working with, I think this is a little bit different. Like the, the industry is, as you guys are uh, exquisitely aware of, mm-hmm. like there's so much technology and so much innovation happening on the commercial sector, which is great. But now yeah. we're at the at the tipping point where just everybody's just buying the things, mm-hmm. uh, not everybody, but a lot of people are just buying the things to say they have the things and like it's data first, it's technology first. And we're kind of forgetting about like why we're doing these things. So while those are good things that are happening, we're now trying to pull back to every group and like just understand what's your philosophy? What are you trying to do? So as far as best practices go, like it always starts with that conversation of, and everybody's got different personalities and different tra- things they're trying to do. So really what we're trying to do is strip it down to that and then just let's do a couple things extremely well and let's get it into your workflows and make sure that everybody understands what's going on. We're transparent across the coaching staff, across the scientific yep. staff, across the athletes. Um, and I think that's that's probably my number one priority in our best practices is making sure we educate our athletes on what we're doing. Like nothing can yep. be in the box. We're starting to develop a lot of educational materials that we post up all over the facility. It can be as simple as in our, so now the same thing in recovery modalities, like everybody's got them. They're everywhere. There's space age looking things, things that like physiologically, we know that work. I uh, will never put, never put something that we don't know that works. Some, some will be more mature than others, but okay. What is this cryotherapy looking spaceship? Like, why do I care? So we have simple infographics on there of like, here's what this thing is. Very, very high level, you know, 30 second digestion of information. When is the best time to use it? What's it going to do for you? How are you going to feel? Um, and then we have like companion graphics, right? So we go a little bit deeper into the physiology and like, okay, if you're interested here, look over here, here's a little bit more information. And then we've got like full blown, you know, briefings and like, we could talk for hours on some of these things, but we always start simple and move that way. Yeah. And that makes sense. Um, you know, it reminds me of a conversation I had with the the sports scientists of the Brazilian national soccer team, Cedesau last week and, he, and and also when I talked to uh, Dr. Bill Burgos, right? Bill Burgos, uh, when Bill was at the New York Knicks and he worked with, I think, Stan Gandhi and even mm-hmm. the, the sports scientist now works with the Brazilian national soccer team. One thing that they kept talking about is the need to educate the coaches. Yeah. You know, yeah. why are we doing this, yeah. right? It's not just here is the technology, tomography or, you know, an hydration patch or whatever. You have to explain to the coach, right? And your colleagues, you know, what is this? Why are we doing this? What are the benefits? What are you going to get out of it? What are the players going to get out of it? 
And I feel like sometimes some practitioners are so quick to adopt technology, but they don't spend the time to educate the colleagues and the coaches. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Like that's that's so critical. That's why we we try to be careful too, because we're a little bit more on the sports, like on the scientific side of sports science, yeah. uh, where our job, like, again, this is my academic hat, is to bring all that information to this performance innovation team that we've created and educate the, so we have strength coaches in there, athletic trainers, nutritionists, yeah. administrators, um, that's where we bring it to them. And we arm them with all the material because they're going to be the ones like the strength coaches. A lot of times are going to be the ones educating the head coach, the position coaches. Yeah. So we all, we always have to kind of hear like everybody's got different strong personalities. Some are like bought in hundred percent. Some are bought in 0%. You have yeah. to you kind of try to feel what you have here and just kind of push the information. Again, we're trying to just do a couple things extremely well and we just keep adding on to that. So after we've done that, but hundred percent to your point, and that's kind of where our educational materials and infographics sit is like, who's our audience? Is it a practitioner staff? Is it mm -hmm. a staff? And even like when it comes to recruiting and having head coaches talk about sports science and it's not like some of it is the G whiz, like this mm -hmm. is really tough. And, but it's also like, why are we doing this? We're doing this to, help the health and safety of your sons and daughters that are going to hopefully come to this university. We're trying yeah. to accelerate, optimize their performance however we can so they perform better. But again, it is, it's health and safety. It's taking care of them, developing them as an athlete, but holistically too. So it's not just physical, but it's emotional and mental. And that's, that's where I love where this recovery science piece is, is getting us to is because we have obviously the you know, physiological recoveries of the cryotherapies and mm -hmm. things like that. But we're doing uh, research in flotation therapy, meditation, mindfulness, uh, dry float, photobiomodulation. Now, these are things that get to more of the holistic impact of the athlete. Uh, but I love this idea of meditation, mindfulness. This has been mm -hmm. proven for decades and decades. But where's the engagement piece? Like, how do we educate the athletes on here are the benefits? Here's how easy it is to use. Here are your tools that you can, you can use it. And here's how it's going to help you get better. Yeah, uh, that's a great point. Um, now, I know you've been focusing on biomarkers, right? Advanced wearables. And I remember I used to work for a company called Kenzen back in the day in the Bay Area. They, we built a, a patch for macro, microfluidics yep. uh, to measure hydration, dehydration, I mean, sweat loss, really, electrolyte. And now I'm seeing a, a new wave of wearables, right? Patches that can measure not only uh, electrolyte uh, sweat loss, but also things like uh, glucose, lactate uh, on the same patch. Right. And I even seen like devices where you can breathe into it and it would tell you if you dehydrate it in just a few minutes. Right. So I think we're seeing a new wave of devices, right? Uh, biomarkers to detect early signs of, you know, injuries or issues. Right. So what, what do you think is the future of, of biosensors and advanced wearables? Right. Is it uh, some of the ones that I mentioned that can measure lactate, glucose, blood pressure? Uh, there's also a big wave around contactless biosensors, right? Tiny radars that can, t uh, you know, measure your uh, sleep, heart rate uh, with no contact to the skin. And I work with some of those guys, some of those companies. So what is the, your, your take on the future of all this? Yeah, I, I think I, I totally agree with you. The, the future to me, and it's funny because this is where we, I was in my lab like 10 years ago. Yeah. Uh, we're still there. The future is biochemical sensing, um, but also like, uh, being careful saying that because we still have to do the things really well that we've got. So I, I still don't feel like we're fully using the power of the great sleep, sleep physiology, GPS wearables. That's getting better. But 
the future to me is by like that changes the game is being able to have reliable and accurate biochemical assessments because it doesn't exist, right? It doesn't like it is starting to exist now with continuous glucose monitors. I think it's super fascinating. I'm wearing one right now for mm-hmm. performance uh, benefits. Um, but obviously that's a multi-billion dollar industry because of diabetes. Like that's why it's a product yeah. right now. Um, but if you think about it, just from healthy individuals, like if you're lucky, you go to your doctor once a year and get a blood panel. It's probably going to be not even stuff. That, I've been to my own doctor and I asked them to measure all these things and they wouldn't do it. I had to find yeah. it just for performance. But now just imagine having that data on a, on a daily basis, on a 15 mm-hmm. increment basis. Like we, we just don't know generally what's going on because we like mm-hmm. right now, the studies you've got an iv in your arm and you're pulling blood you know every once in a while to do it so um that's where i'm excited like we're starting to work with cgms overlaying that like looking at that with sleep physiology and so now we have he's on at night and cgm because we just don't even know the interaction between glucose and autonomic nervous system during sleep um to really get at like how restorative was that sleep um and that's just talking glucose but now imagine you know with all the innovation going on the sensor space what what if you had all these other like mm-hmm. different markets, like what's the next one you want to? And I remember talking to some uh, Australian rugby teams yeah. years ago when they would do uh, creatine kinase measurements, like post-match, 24 hours, post-match, 36 hours, and actually, you know, use that for the recovery. Uh, but mm-hmm. that was a care device, couldn't get it in the States, still can't, I don't think. Um, but now imagine having that kind of precision-based biochemical. So I still love heart rate variability. I love all the mm-hmm. other, but I still think that they're, like it doesn't tell you the whole picture. So I'm hoping with biochemical sensing, we we get there. Definitely interested in the hydration side of things. I think the technology yeah. is evolving. It's still not quite there yet. Um, but again, as, as, these, as, the, as that innovation keeps happening on the biosensor side. But I would say like as far as, because a lot of what we do is very human factors based and logistics and a form factor, because we've got to get athletes to wear these things. Like I love the form factor of the CGMs. Like it's... Uh-huh you know, 14 days, sticks on the whole time. I've done it in 220 degree saunas, no problem, cryotherapy, mm-hmm. no problem. Like it's, it stays on. Um, so I, I think that's really where the future's headed. Yeah, so you think we're, what, a couple of years away from a mass adoption of those devices or what do you think? I've been interested to see like just what's happening in the commercial space. And because the one I'm wearing, I like, just bought it off the internet. It's, yeah. um, it levels as a company, there's half a dozen others, but yeah. I think that's the game changer that's now letting people be curious about their own data and buy it with their own money. Yeah. Uh, like there's a doctor in the background prescribing it and you get an app, but you know, now you can, now you can learn about yourself. And that's what our goal is behind all this stuff is how can I enable you to do clinical trials of N equals one on yourself yeah. to understand like how well does flotation therapy help my stress resilience? And, and can I get that ecosystem of sensors, allow you to capture all that information, analyze it for you, yourself because we know generally these things work but i don't know like some people respond to things some people don't yeah um, and, I, and now with my own nutrition like i can now do an experiment and like how does this coffee affect my glucose rating versus this coffee um yeah hands yeah. now yeah that's a very good point so and I, i've got a high blood pressure myself right i take medication every day but look if i the, the holy grail has been to build a device you can measure your blood pressure continuously I mean, there's yeah. been some companies who try to do it, a bracelet, there's a company in New York who's kind of trying to do that. But the label of accuracy is not great, right? Yeah. Uh, I, I worked with an Israeli company one time. They built a contactless biosensor to measure your blood pressure. Now, it was a, a sensor in the strap of the band, right? Only worked in the lab. But man, to get this thing working yeah. like consistently was the most impossible. 
So, uh, but I think that's kind of where we're going, right? Yeah, I think you're I'm glad you mentioned that because I do feel like blood pressure is like I just by seeing what's on the internet and you know patents and things like that, like that seems to be the next thing that's trying to come yeah. in variables. Like SpO2 was the last thing. I still don't even know how much we care about that sleep apnea for sure, but like mm-hmm. who cares about health and wellness? Um, but the other thing, like you mentioned, like accuracy is king. Like just because you say you can measure it, um, and we have ongoing research. Basically, where the consumer reports of wearables, um, and we publish our data. Yeah. Uh, whatever comes out, like we're going to tell you how accurate it is. Like if you, sh- if as a consumer, you show it to me on an app, I'm I'm going to mm-hmm. as long as I have units to it, um, and we're going to publish that information. That's interesting. Yeah, love to see that. Uh, but look, we 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 at the end of the interview. But I want to thank you for your time today. Super. Yeah, I really appreciate. It. I love what you guys are doing uh, at Upside, and uh, anything I can do to help has been great. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. Well, thank you. Thank you for listening. To access past episodes and other research, articles, and analysis of sports technology, please visit our website, theupside.us. Subscribe to the Upside newsletter and receive full access to our sports tech business letter and website. Royalty-free music is provided by ibaudio.com. The Upside podcast provides timely insights and interviews with global leaders in sports technology. Until next time, keep looking to the Upside.